Further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene. I'm joined by Jacques Pretorius from Sinai Security. Jacques, thank you so much for your time today and a happy Monday to you, I guess. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. All right, Jacques. Looks like a great start to the week. Uh, green screens in Europe, green screens here at home, and a little bit of strengthening uh, for the RAND. Let's talk about what market participants are contending with this morning. Okay, I think uh, all eyes on this week will obviously be on the 13th, which is Wednesday, on the CPI figures out of the USA and also the uh, mortgage applications uh, from, from the US. That's going to be a very strong lead indicator of what's going to happen the, the following week on the 19th and 20th when they sit and decide, are they going to raise rates in the US with another 25 basis points or not? So I think uh, the market is a bit jittery at the moment regarding that. Uh, we've seen a bit of weakness overnight in the dollar after Japan. Um, and I think that's supporting our market right now, this morning. So I'm also keen just to get your thoughts here if, uh, you know, South Africa releasing its own CPI uh, print expectations, that at all might have any bearing on what happens this week. Or is the issue with the United States and their CPI prints uh, likely to overshadow all things this week, uh, Jacques, including uh, South Africa? I think, uh, I think the U.S. Is, is a bit of a leader at the moment. They are overshadowing a lot of, a lot of things. Um, in South Africa itself, there's a bit of risk, I guess, from a point of view of the oil price rising a bit and the, the, the bit of weakness we saw in the RAND. But I think the general trend has actually turned around. So although we might have a slightly negative uh, CPI figure coming up on the following read, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a huge issue for us. And I still think that we're very, very close right now to the top of the interest rate cycle and possibly looking at the first rate cut uh, uh, early next year. Let's also talk about Asian equities here. Uh, we've seen uh, Chinese equities just battle throughout 2023, but also news uh, over the weekend about Alibaba and some challenges that they're experiencing there. I'm just wondering what the picture is like there right now, Jacques. Okay, so the chi China, I think, is, is very, very slow out of the box. I think everybody expected a lot more from them from an economic growth point of view after the, the COVID um, lockdowns dissipated. We haven't seen that strong increase that we were hoping for. There are a few signs in some of the, the figures that they are starting to recover, to recover a bit. But I think I think the bigger picture right for China to me is they've got a huge debt pile in their uh, uh, local municipalities in nearly 9 trillion. That's definitely, and that's in dollar terms, that's holding them back quite a bit. And then I think China has actually moved right. I think the glory days of China is over. We're not going to see 5% plus uh, GDP growth going forward. I think it's going to be closer to 4% or even below 4%. And that's for, that for China is nearly like a recession. So uh, it's a longer term story that I'm a bit more concerned about China at this point, yes. Keen to also get your thoughts on Capitec. They released a brief update last week. That saw that share price rally quite a bit. They've uh, recovered about 18 billion rand in their market value. Of course, we are still waiting for the full set of numbers, Jacques. But I think for me, what I'm keen to find out about is our consumers still worried, um, investors still worried about uh, impairments at uh, Capitec. I think it was a big part of uh, how we were looking at the counter as a whole. Uh, funny enough, we've got that same view. There is definitely right a bit of risk from an impairment point of view in both Capitec and the rest of the banking sector. So there's there's definitely some of those risks that's going to follow through. 
And I think we are going to see larger impairment charges coming through on the banking sector over the next six months. Um, you'll see in my in my pick later in the session, right, I've got a, a different view on that. I'm trying to look through this next six months. Mm -hmm. And I think the, to me, the interest rate cycle is a lot more important, right, than the impairment charges in the short term. Sure, the share prices might take a knock on the day when the results are actually out and the impairment charges come through. But I think the longer term picture for me is a bit more bullish there. Well, so let me get there in a bit, but I'm keen to touch uh, on the tourism uh, counters that released a set number today, Sun International as well as City Large. Maybe we'll start with Sun International. Uh, Jacques, that's really becoming more of a bit of a gaming company um, uh, than uh, traditional hoteling. I'm wondering if we are seeing a revenue mix shift there. Uh, definitely. Obviously, you've seen it in the figures. Um, yeah, it's difficult to, to judge going forward. Mm. Um, I think it is difficult for South Africans, right, to make use of the hotels, but certainly uh, they do like gaming, and, and that's why you're seeing the, the uptick in the revenue from the other side of the business. What is also interesting that if you juxtapose that against a City Lodge, City Lodge remains quite a traditional a hoteling a company there, of course, are coming in at a lower cost and possibly more affordable to the consumers and maybe having to then rely on that traditional business as opposed to Sun International that has had to diversify out a little. Yes, I think um, there's a lot of value right, captured in um, Sun International and uh, some of those uh, smaller businesses, City Lodges. Uh, City Lodge looks, uh, looks uh, on an NAV basis, looks attractively priced. But one ex, one ex, ask yourself the question of the longer-term longer growth prospects of the business. And uh, if that does happen and come through, uh, we'll see it eventually in the share price and the performance of the share price. At this point, you know, I'm thinking that we are still in this very um, difficult environment, right? We're not sure if we're at the top of the interest rate cycle or not. I think we've got a bit of time to be buying and piling into these uh, smaller second line stocks. So I'd obviously like to see the liquidity picking up in some of these counters and we'll probably see that uh, going into next year. And I must ask you, Jacques, when we think of uh, online betting here, is this a, a, a matter of gaming enjoyment for people or an economic indicator, you know, of people who might be putting in a few rands and hoping to get uh, some money out because of the very difficult uh, macroeconomic environment that we find ourselves in? I think it's both. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably lean, leaning a bit more towards the side where people are battling with their income and trying to substitute it in some other way. But it's always a very difficult uh, way of actually earning any money uh, from gaming. I completely agree with you. It is a rather tricky one. Let's touch on Metrofile now. Of course, uh, they made that acquisition of Iron Tree a few years ago. That seems to really have uh, paid off. Uh, and I guess the ability for them to move to uh, the cloud is really important to their business. Without that, uh, you know, they probably aren't future-proof. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, it's interesting uh, many years ago when um, uh, we, we indicated that newspapers will fall away completely. That has taken a lot longer than anticipated. But we're seeing that it's very, very important, right, for any of these companies that look at um, storing data or, st or storing history, historic information, right, that data is going to be the way to go. Very important, so they, they had to adjust and adapt to the new environment. And it looks like there is a lot of growth prospects in that space as well. So a, a good little company, I think. I'm going to get your stock pick in a bit, uh, Jacques, but for now, uh, maybe we should reflect on some counters that have found favour with your industry peers.
Tesla. Um, I think there were the, the price drops over the last 18 months and the affordability of the vehicles uh, and their growing market share. I think uh, they're a good stock to buy at this point. I would like to present uh, and put forward MTN. Um, and uh, maybe just a word or two on the company. I mm -hmm. think, you know, it it's, um, operates across the continent, so has got exposure to some of these uh, higher growth uh, areas, uh, so West Africa, Nigeria, uh, Ghana, and some areas in East Africa, Uganda, and so on. Um, and so, you know, they announced a deal a couple of weeks ago where MasterCard um, is taking a stake in uh, their fintech business, specifically on the payment side. So I think the, the reason why we think the company's got good prospects is that Whilst you know te telecommunications is of course the the, the base and the the, the main um, operations, what they're trying to do now is is really to leverage off uh, the telecoms business by offering adjacent or other uh, services um, using the same telecoms network. So payments is an example. Or fintech um, is is effectively you 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 become uh, a banking system if I can call it that for for places where there's uh, less banking um, access. And so if you think about somebody or people who are in, in outlying areas, don't have access to a uh, bank, the, the company now through this fintech uh, business can uh, effectively connect people, make sure people are able to send payments um, to and fro. In fact, in a place like Ghana, government even pays government employees using uh, the mobile money and the fintech platform that MTN has to offer. So. Having uh, someone like uh, Mastercard taking a stake in that business just enables them to, to enables them to have access to uh, greater capability, more technology, um, and effectively the their ability to scale and uh, and grow that business. Um, we think presents them with a very nice opportunity over time. So if you see and you see you look at uh, how the telecoms businesses typically progress, so you have. A period of, of sort of accumulating uh, subscribers because people are adopting um, the, the, the mobile telephony but then over uh, time that of course uh, that growth becomes uh, saturated so MTN is therefore securing their growth by having adjacent and alternative um, revenue streams uh, down the line which are all right Jock, Tesla and MTN keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters Okay, right, from an MTN perspective, um, I think they were really forced, right, uh, in the long term to move away from, from telecom uh, because I think it's a very tough, very margin squeeze type of business. So they were forced to look at the fintech space. Are they a pure, pure fintech business? I'm not exactly sure that is the case, but obviously they are sort of trying to put some fintech products on their, their base. And that does help them, right, to, to extend their growth cycle uh, for a few years longer. I think investors are a bit concerned about uh, Nigeria at the moment. Nigeria is still the biggest part, portion of their business. And there is a bit of risk, right, in the Naira devaluating to some extent. So that is the issue on the one side. And they, having said it, they're not ex very extremely expensively priced. I think if you look at the fintech companies, or let's look at these, perhaps the, the, the visas of the world and the MasterCards. Those companies are priced at 25 multiples and higher, you know, and uh, MTN around about 10, 11 times looks attractively priced from that point, if it can actually sustain a growth rate. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly that aggressively bullish on MTN, but certainly it's a solid uh, company. Uh, you don't have to worry too much about it. Jacques, what would be your stock pick at this Monday afternoon? 
Well, I, I really like the banking sector, as I said. I do think there is going to be some impairment charges. And I think we are going to see some shocks like we've seen out of the retail space, right, when trading results come out where the share falls 7% on a day. But they quite quickly recover after that. I'm looking through this cycle. I'm looking at uh, 2024 and, and onwards. And I'm looking at the interest rate cycle. So I've done a bit of work right on the banking sector our performance in a interest rate declining environment relative to a interest rate rising environment. And interesting enough, even in an interest rate rising environment, the, the banks over a three-year period does about 50%. But in an interest rate falling environment, right, they gain closer to 80%. So there's a lot of upside, I believe, in the banking sector in an interest rate declining environment. Apart from that, the banks are cheaply priced at the moment. I think my pick is NetBank. That's the one that's sort of lagged the other banks at this point uh, for the year to date. I think they've been knocked a bit on the Robosa story and the impairments they've made for that. But I think those impairments are have been made and there might be another 500 million of impairment charge coming through, which is a relatively small figure for them. So I think going forward, I think NetBank is the one that can actually perform and catch up with the rest of the banks. So, yeah, I'm pretty bullish on, on NetBank. It might not be a two- or three-month view, a slightly longer-term view, but I think it's a very, very safe place, right, in this difficult environment in the markets to stay in. Well, Jacques, it's been a pleasure catching up with you on this Monday afternoon. Thank you so much for your time. I know we'll catch up again soon. That was your Midday Markets Update with Jacques Pretorius from Scenario Securities.